I've been teaching on the power of words. And I started in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. We went over to Hebrews 11, 3, where it talks about that God framed the worlds by his words. And then we went through a lot of scriptures that just talked about how that God spoke the worlds into existence. This is how God released his power was by words. Words are the parent force, the creative force behind everything, behind you and me. Everything that's created by words responds to words. Boy, this is super, super important. You know, when Jamie and I were pastoring a little church that meant in our home, Jamie had always tried to grow uh, flowers and things. I remember specifically she tried to grow African violets and just never was very successful at it. She had kind of like a black thumb. But did you know we started holding church in our house and we had these plants and these plants just started growing like crazy because we had church five days a week. And we would get in there and sing and praise the Lord and preach the word. And did you know what? It affected those plants. Some of you don't believe that, but it's absolutely true. I actually have uh, read, this was in a medical uh, journal or a scientific journal about that they put electrodes on these plants in a greenhouse. And they had a man walk into this greenhouse and just start cussing and using profanity and getting mad and screaming and yelling. And he took one of those plants and just tore the things to pieces. And it registered. Those plants had electronic impulses that went through them that registered when all of this happened. And then they would have other people come in and there was no noticeable difference. And then they would have this guy come back in and just start speaking and he wouldn't do anything. He'd just start talking. And did you know what those plants responded every time that this guy came into that greenhouse to these electrodes that were on there? I'm not saying that they think. I'm not saying that they're like people. But I am saying that God created every living thing by words. And living things respond to words. When I was really poor, my mother kept Jamie and me alive. She didn't know it. But we'd go over to visit her and she'd fix us a meal. And that's maybe the only time we would eat in a week's time. And we didn't uh, tell her how bad off we were, but she was keeping us alive. And I was so thankful. I wanted to bless her and yet I didn't want to tell her what our situation was. So I'd do things around the house. I'd paint her house for her. I'd mow the yard and do different things like this. And um, my mother, we had 23 pecan trees. In our yard. Some people call them pecans. I call them pecans. Where I came from, pecan is what you used if you didn't want to get up and go all the way out to the outhouse. Amen. So we don't refer to them that way. We call them pecans. Amen. And we had 23 pecan trees in the yard where I grew up. And my mother had quit taking care of them. She hadn't pruned them. She hadn't fertilized them. She hadn't done anything. And those trees back when I was a kid, they would produce around four or 500 pounds of pecans every year. And we would have to shell them and we would sell the pecans. We would eat them and do these kind of things. Well, uh, my mother had not taken care of the trees and it was down to they picked up 50 pounds of pecans the year before because she just let the trees go to pot after my dad uh, died. 
And so anyway, when I got into the ministry and she was blessing us, I wanted to bless her back. And the only thing I knew was to mow the lawn and do different things. And as I would go around these trees and mow that yard, and as I'd go around every tree, I would just lay hands on it and speak to that tree. And I'd quote the scriptures that blessed will be the fruit of our ground. Blessed will be all of these things. And I would bless those trees and speak over them. And I would curse the bagworms that were up there and command them to die and get out of the tree. And I just spoke blessing over those trees. Did you know I did that one year? And when it came time in November and all the pecans came ripe, did you know we picked over 650 pounds of pecans up out of those trees that produced 50 pounds of pecans a year before? Some of you say, I don't believe that. Well, I do. That's why it worked. If you don't believe that, you'd never believe a lot of the stuff you believe reading here. Amen. But it's true. The, the words are super powerful. And I spent last night trying to establish that God spoke everything into existence. Words are the parent force. It's the creative force. And everything responds to words. The weather will respond to words. The ground will respond to words. Plant will respond to words. Sickness will respond to words. Disease will respond to words. Your body will respond to words. Your emotions will respond to words. Man, this is really simple, but it is just weird to a lot of people to think that you could sit there and just talk yourself. Well, you can't do it if you don't believe it. I really emphasized this last night. It says in Hebrews chapter 4. Let me turn over and read this. I don't think I read it. But in Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about the children of Israel and how they came out of the land of Egypt and God had given them promises that he would bring them into the promised land. But it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 1, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You've got to mix the word of God with faith. It's like some kind of chemicals, you know, that by themselves, they are bland. They don't do anything, but you mix certain chemicals together and you can have an explosion. Reactions take place. The word of God has all of this potential in it, but it has to be mixed with faith before it releases its power. And the word that was preached unto us is the same as the word that was preached unto them. But the word preached unto the Israelis when they came out of the land of Egypt wasn't mixed with faith. And because of it, all of those promises that had power in them to bring the Israelis into the promised land. It didn't come to pass, not because the word didn't work. It was because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. You have to mix with faith these things. If you could believe the power of words and begin to start believing it, you can have what you say. You can talk to pecan trees and command them to grow and to be healthy and to command the worms to get off of them and they'll get off of it. You can speak to your body. And I used this at the end of my message last night about a horse. It says you put a bit in a horse's mouth and you turn about their whole body. You can control your body with words. You need to quit speaking over yourself. Well, I'm 40. I'm over the hill. 
Oh, I'm going to start having trouble. I'm going to start having this. And you start confessing this. And people think, well, you know, it's just the way that it is. No, it's the way that you say that it is. If you go to the word of God, what does it say in the word of God? For instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7, it says that Moses was 120 years old and his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Moses at 120 years old was still strong and he had an inferior covenant. The covenant we have is better than Moses' covenant. If Moses could live to be 120, you can live to be 120. If Moses didn't have to have glasses, you don't have to have glasses. Now, somebody, are you saying there's something wrong with me? Am I sinning if I have glasses? No, you aren't sinning if you have glasses. You can look at the world through glasses if you want to. It doesn't make you more spiritual or anything, but I'm saying that if Moses could have perfect eyesight, you could have perfect eyesight. But most people aren't even believing for this. And you just start talking and you start expecting, well, after all, I'm, I'm 40. I'm 50. I expect my eyesight to get bad. If that's what you say, if that's what you believe, you can have it. When I was 20 years old, I had to have glasses and I refused them. I said, no, in the name of Jesus. They gave me a driver's license or I went to get a driver's license and they checked my eyes and I couldn't see well enough. And they said, you got to go get glasses. And they said, and the next day was my birthday. I had to have it done by the next day. Well, I went to church. I had them pray over me and believe God that I was healed. And I went back to the same place, to the same lady, looked in the same machine and flunked again. <laughs> that woman said, I saw you yesterday. I gave you a piece of paper. I told you, you had to go get glasses. And I said, wait a minute. And I started praying in tongues. And I looked at that thing and the whole thing came clear like that. And I read the bottom line. And that lady didn't have a clue what I was doing. And she just gave me my driver's license and let me go. Amen. But you know what? I refuse to have glasses. And I read this small print in my Bible without glasses. And I hadn't had anything done to my eyes. I'm not condemning you if you can't see. That's My wife just went and got some glasses. She's not a bad person. I'm not mad at her and she's not inferior. I'm, but I'm saying, you know what? I've just chosen that praise God, I can have what I can say. And I can believe God for healing. And I'm speaking that my eyes are perfect, that my body's healthy. And some of you thought, well, I just don't believe you can do that kind of stuff. Well, then it won't work for you. Amen. But I'm telling you that if Moses could be 120 years old and still strong and his natural force not abated, well, then I can do it. You can do it. You can choose to believe the word of God. There's creative power in the words. Look at this over in Psalms chapter 89. Psalms chapter 89, I wish I had time to read the whole chapter. But the psalmist here is talking about all of the promises that God made to Israel. And because they didn't obey his covenant, they went into bondage and all of the terrible things that had happened. And he was talking about the, a place where they were not walking in God's best. They were not receiving what God wanted, not because God changed, but because they didn't believe. They didn't mix the word with faith. 
But right in the midst of pronouncing all of these terrible things, it says this in Psalms chapter 89 and in verse 34, he says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. This was God speaking. And if you go on and read it, he was saying that even though you are now in bondage and you're in captivity, I have spoken that you will return and it will come to pass. I will not change what I've said. God never changes what comes out of his mouth. And notice the wording that he used. He says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. When God says something, it's a covenant. It's a contract. It's binding. When we say things, we say, oh, I'll be there at seven o'clock. And with some of you, that means you leave home at seven o'clock. Man, when we go to like uh, Uganda and different places, there are some places that they call it Ugandan time or whatever. And that just means that if you say seven o'clock, it could be eight o'clock before you get there. Did you know Leland Shores, the man that runs our ministry in Uganda, he is a stickler on this. And when I went to these, we would go out into the bush and there would be these little places that had uh, mud walls up, but no roof on them. And they'd have windows cut in, but they didn't have windows in there. It's just holes. And it was really primitive. And yet we would get there and he would watch his watch. And when it got to like 10 o'clock, he would put a bicycle across the entrance. And even though people were coming to a discipleship course and they were paying money to go to this discipleship course at 10 o'clock, he would have somebody stand there and you couldn't come in and you couldn't be a part of the discipleship if you were a minute late. And some of you think, well, that's terrible. But you know what? He was teaching these people. They, they would say 10 o'clock and people would show up until 11 o'clock or 11.15 or 11.30. It was just, they would just make an approximation. And he began to teach people that, you know what? If you say that you're going to be someplace at 10 o'clock, you be someplace at 10 o'clock. You gave your word. You're a liar. If you come in late, don't look at me in that tone of voice. When I pastored a church, I used to teach people. I said, God, when he says something, his covenant will he not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of his lips. If you say you're going to be there at 10 o'clock and you come in at 10.05, you're ungodly. You aren't like God. I wouldn't say that for the purpose of condemning them and making them feel bad. I was just trying to say, you're not like God. God keeps his word. If you're going to be like God, keep your word. And so people would come in late and I'd say, come in, you're ungodly, but you're welcome. We love you. Come in and have a seat. Amen. I never did have a big church. But you know, some of you think, well, this is kind of nitpicking. That's not that important. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, that if you can't do that which is least, you can't do that which is greatest. If you don't keep your word when you tell somebody, I'll be here and do this, well then, you know what? You aren't going to be faithful in other bigger things. I had a person come one time to uh, check with our ministry about putting in an alarm system. And I had about three or four different appointments made during the day. And this one guy was supposed to be there, I think at 10 o'clock, and he showed up about 10.20. And I met him at the door and I said, uh, you know, we don't need you today. And he says, well, I'm here. And I said, you said you'd be here at 10 o'clock. And he says, well, I got caught in traffic 
And I looked and on his belt was a mobile phone. And I said, you got a phone right there. You could have called. And he said, well, I just, I was just a few minutes late. I was only 15 or 20 minutes late. And I said, if this is the way you treat me before you get my business, how are you going to treat me after you get my business? I said, your word doesn't mean anything to you. So therefore it doesn't mean anything to me. And I said, I don't want your presentation. And this guy was just blown away, but that's the way I am with stuff. If you tell me you're going to do something and if you don't do it, then you are ungodly. (laughs) That usually goes over about like that. And see people, well, you just can't be that way. That's because you don't value words. And that says volumes about you. And you know what? Your body knows whether you value words or not. There's a book in the United States. I don't know if it's made the rounds over here, but it's been real popular in the United States and it's written by a medical doctor and it's entitled, Who Switched Off My Brain? Have any of you heard of that? Quite a few. But anyway, the whole this is an oversimplification, but this medical doctor says that your brain communicates with every cell in your body billions of times every day. There's this constant communication between your mind and your cells in your body. There are things on your cells called receptors. And they're like little locks. And if they're working properly, everybody has things like cancer cells in their body. Everybody has radical cells in their body. But if your, if your body is healthy, it does, these cancer cells can't gain access to your body. It's like they're locked. But when you think wrong and when you speak wrong, that is communicated to every cell in your body and it opens these cells up so that radical cells and infections and disease and things like this can come into those cells and penetrate. But if you're thinking properly, the, this medical doctor calls them toxic thoughts versus healthy thoughts. And the whole premise of this book is that your mind controls whether you are receptive to sickness and disease or not. I know some of you think that's weird, but he is even a medical doctor that's beginning to say the same things. They're beginning to find out that words and thoughts communicate to every cell in your body. I'm telling you, God created your body by words. And if you were to believe the words that you speak, you can't believe the words you speak. If you sit there and say, I'll be there at 10. And then you don't even show up until 10, 15. That means words aren't important to you. And you can't sit there and say, well, these words are unimportant, but these words are important. Your body can't distinguish between that. Your body knows whether you just say things and whether you listen to other people say things and whether you can listen to a lie on television and sit there and just let it go unchallenged. Your body knows all of these kind of things. But if you get to where you believe what you say, you do what you say, words are important. When you say something, it's like the scripture says that you'll swear to your own hurt and not change. When you get to where you do that, like Jesus, it becomes a covenant. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. When you get to where when you say something, it's a covenant. It's a contract. Maybe people won't hold you to it. Maybe you could fool people, but you can't fool God. You can't fool your own body. You can't fool your own heart. You get to where you start speaking things and you do not deviate from what you say. 
Over a period of time, you can train your heart. And then when you say cancer, you're dead in the name of Jesus. Every cell in your body will respond to what you're saying. But if you lie out here and say, I'll be there at 10 and you aren't there until 1030. Oh, I'll do this, but you don't do it. God, I'm going to do this, but you don't do it. And you get to where you just constantly are living a lie and saying things that you don't mean. And then you say, cancer, you're dead. Your body's going to say, what makes those words any different than all of the other words that I hear? And you know what? Your heart won't believe it. You got to mix it with faith. It's got to come out of your heart. When God says something, it's a covenant and he will never break it. He will never alter the thing that has gone forth out of his lips. And that's not only true of creation, but every word in this Bible is God breathed. Look at this passage over in second Peter chapter one. The last two verses of the chapter, he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. That means that you aren't free to just interpret it however you want to. God is the one that spoke it. There is a right and a wrong way to divide the word. You have to properly divide the word. There's no private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These words were God-breathed. One of the translations interprets some of the Greek words here that this is what it means. Every word in the Bible was God-breathed. In the same way that God spoke and the sun, the moon, and the stars came out of his mouth, God has spoken through people. Look at this passage over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is a powerful passage of scripture. First Thessalonians chapter two, Paul is speaking and he says in verse 13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which he heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, that you receive the word, not just as people speaking to you, but as God speaking to you. God speaks through people. God spoke through people to give us this word. Did you know when I'm standing up here and I am telling you things that the word of God says, this is God speaking to you. And if you understood the power of words, especially the power of God's words, that when he says something, it's a contract. He will not break it. He will not alter it. And when I stand here and say, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. This is the same power out of my mouth that God used to speak the world into existence. And yet most people do not put that importance on God's word. They listen to a person and they sit there and they're used to listening to all kinds of things that, you know, aren't truth. They listen to the news. They watch programs. They do things. And we've gotten to where we just don't place an importance on words. And so people will listen to a minister preach the word of God and they'll just sit there and listen and then wait until the invitation to come up so that somebody can lay hands on them and release the power. And yet I'm speaking the creative 
supernatural healing power of God out of my mouth. You do not have to wait until the end of the service. I'm saying in the name of the Lord, by his stripes, you were healed. That God has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. That's the word of God. And if you would mix it with faith, you could be healed right there. All of your pain could leave you right now. You could be delivered. You could be set free. Your deaf ears could open. Your blind eyes could open. You could come out of wheelchairs right now if you would mix it with faith. Man, that's powerful. But yet most people don't put that kind of an importance on words. And because of it, words aren't having the impact on our life that they should. I'm telling you that God's word not only created this heaven and earth, but it gave us the Bible. God spoke these things through people. God's word, this is living. You know, if you're sick, the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 or 22 right there, it says God's word is health unto all of your flesh and life unto them that find it. And yet the average person, when they get sick, what do they do? The first thing they want to do is go and have somebody else pray for them. And yet the Bible says that the word is health unto your flesh and life unto those that find it. If you're sick, go take a gospel. Amen. Take the word of God. Most Christians will run to a doctor. They'll try and get some natural way. They only use God as a, a, as a, you know, a last resort. Only if the doctors can't deal with it, will you pray over it and believe God. And most Christians don't stand and believe God personally, but they run to somebody else and want somebody else to accomplish all of this stuff for them. And let me just say something right here. I'm going to come back to where I was headed. This is a parenthesis. But some of you are thinking, well, then why did God give these gifts to the church? People that have the miracle ministries and gifts of healings, if it's not to get people healed. I believe that the reason we have the gifts of the spirit and specifically the gift of miracles and the gifts of healings are because if the only way for you to be healed was to hear the word of God and take it, stand on it and start believing God and let your faith mature. And let's say it takes two years for you to reach a place to where you're walking in maturity and you can receive healing on your own. If that's the only method that God made for you to receive healing, then what would happen to the person who's only got a week to live and they come and they get born again? They'd just be destined to die because they don't have time to grow and mature and get established in the word of God and learn the truth. So for situations like that, God has given people to the body of Christ that have a supernatural gifting and anointing on their life that you can go and get healed with very little faith on your part. You can get healed off of their gift. And God gave that because he, wanted, he had compassion on people who were in the process and weren't mature enough yet. They could go to someone else and get help and get healed and not have to die. And God did that because he loves us. But it was never intended to be a substitute for you believing the word of God and taking the word of God and learning how to stand and stand on the word of God. And, and at this point in the body of Christ, 
about 99% of the body of Christ, the only way they know how to get healed is to go and let somebody else pray for them and get healed off of somebody else's faith. That was not ever intended to be the dominant way. It was never intended to be the way that it is today. Sure, God has people like that and he, do, he has ministry gifts and people can do things like that, but that is not God's number one method of you getting healed. He wants you to take the word of God and believe the word of God and begin to learn these truths and get to a place where you can stand and command the healing in your body. And yet very few Christians will go that route because you know what? You can't just sit in front of your television and become a couch potato and vegetate. This takes effort on your part. You're going to have to turn off the telly, all except my program. Amen. <laughs> And you're going to have to start spending time in the Word of God and you're going to have to discipline yourself and you're going to have to start growing and take some responsibility and authority over your life. And most people don't want to do that. Most people want to be carnal and then just live your life the way that you are, saturate yourself in doubt and unbelief and then when you get sick, run to somebody else who's a professional Christian and let them get you healed. That's what you pay them for, right? Is so that they can get you healed. That's what we've come to. And that's not the way that God intended it to be. God wants you to be able to stand and you to be able to grab these truths. And now the parentheses is over. I'm back to where I was. And it's because he has given us his word. The same words that spoke the worlds into existence, that created our bodies, that created everything in the natural the same God that spoke all of those things spoke these words and these words are health unto all of your flesh and life unto those that find them. If you get sick, go to the word of God and take a word from God. Go take the word that says, by his stripes, you were healed and speak it. And somebody says, well, I did that and it didn't work. Then it's because you didn't believe it with all of your heart. Well, now that's not true. You might have desired it with all of your heart. You may want it. You may need it. You may be more desperate than other people. But when you believe, when you mix the word with faith, there is a reaction that takes place. Power is released. If there isn't any power being released, it's because you don't believe it. Is that too complicated? Anybody miss that? I know some of you don't like that, but it's just absolutely the truth. If the word isn't working, it's not the word that's failed. First Peter chapter one, verse 23 says, you are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. God's word is an incorruptible seed. It never fails to produce. God's word never fails. God upholds the entire universe, holds it together by the power of his word. His word has never failed. If it's not working, it's because you aren't believing. You might want it. You may desire it. You may be pleading. You may be saying the right things. But if you believe it with your heart, then the power of the word of God gets released in your life and miracles happen. And again, I'm saying that we have gotten to where we don't believe the power of words. We saturate ourselves in a culture that doesn't believe in words. We don't act on what we say. We don't keep our word. And so we have numbed ourselves and hardened ourselves towards this. But I'm telling you, you can change this. 
You can get back. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that's what I'm teaching. I'm telling you what the word says. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. If you want to be healed, if you want to be delivered, take the word and send it. Speak the word over yourself. Begin to speak over yourself that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Some of you say, well, I've said that. Well, then you didn't believe it. If it didn't work, say it until you believe it. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You might have to say something a thousand times. But it only takes one time to get healed, but it may take 999 times for you to believe it. You need to get to where you start saying it. And yet most of us rehearse what the doctor says about us more than what the Word of God says about us. Most of us rehearse more about what we feel and we go over and over the thoughts that we have. You know, when Debbie shared her testimony, friends were saying, you're in denial, you are denying this. And all of these things, most of us focus on the criticism, on the words spoken against us more than we do the word of God. You've got to get to where God's word is dominant in your life. It says in Romans chapter three, verse four, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. You have to get to the place where God, your word is true. The word of the doctor is a lie. The word of a lawyer is a lie. The word of my aunt Susie is a lie. Whoever told me whatever, I refuse it. But this is what the word of God says. I believe the word and you stand on the word. And brothers and sisters, there's not very many people that are that strong. There's a lot of people that will quote a scripture hoping it works just like magic. But if things don't change immediately, well then I tried and it didn't work. And they go looking for another option. I know what I'm saying is really simple. Some of you are wanting something more complicated. But this is really where it comes down to. This is the creative power of God right here. You know when Jesus meant the devil on the Mount of uh, Temptation the fourth chapter of Matthew and the fourth chapter of Luke recorded, every time that Satan came at him, he would counter by saying, it is written. And one time I was praying about this and I said, Lord, why did you quote Old Testament scriptures? Jesus was the word. Anything Jesus said was scripture. He was God Almighty. You could have said boo and it would have been enough to make the devil leave. Why did you quote Old Testament scripture? And the Lord spoke to him and he says, because he couldn't improve on it. It was perfect when he spoke it. Jesus, who was God manifest in the flesh, could not improve on the Old Testament scripture. And so rather than just saying anything, he spoke what he had already said because it's a covenant. He won't break it. It works. And he refused to deviate from it. And as I continued to think about that, he showed me that in the book of Revelation, when the Lord comes back, it says there's going to be a sharp two-edged sword go out of his mouth and it's going to destroy the nations. And there is literally going to be blood up to the horse's bridles. That means three or four feet tall for the space of 120 miles long when he comes back and destroys his foes. 
And that sword is going to do it. I don't believe that there is a physical sword. You know what it is? The Bible is called a sharp two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God is quick. It means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It also says over in Ephesians chapter 6, to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of Spirit. And when it says that there's a sharp two-edged sword that goes out of His mouth, I don't believe that there's going to be physically a sword. I think what he's going to do is speak the word of God that we have written in the book of Revelation. He's going to speak these words in total faith with zero unbelief, and it's going to destroy his enemies so much so that blood will be three to four foot tall for 120 miles. It's the strongest weapon that the world's ever seen. A neutron bomb, atomic bomb is nothing compared to the Word of God. And he's just going to speak the words that we have written right here, but he'll speak them in faith. Brothers and sisters, if you would take these words and believe in these things that I'm saying and understand the power of words and understand that the same God who created the universe with his words, that same God spoke these words. This is the Word of God. And all you have to do is take these words, mix it with faith, and you release the supernatural power of God into your life. I've used healing as an example a lot, but the same thing will work for prosperity. Take the scripture that says that He has given us power to get wealth so that He might establish His covenant here on the earth. Deuteronomy 8.18 Take the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that whatever you set your hand unto is blessed. Set your hand unto something and bless it. It'll work if you believe it, if you take these things. These are the promises of God. The same God that spoke the worlds into existence spoke these blessings over you. And all you got to do is mix it with faith and start speaking it out of your mouth and you can begin to prosper. You can begin to say that, man, my natural force isn't abated, nor my eyesight dim. As my days are, so shall my strength be. When it comes to your children, like Debbie was sharing, you can say God gives good and perfect gifts. Children are a heritage of the Lord, and God did not create my baby with some type of a handicap, some kind of a problem. This is not God's will. And you can speak and you can change that situation with your mouth. Amen. There's a few of you beginning to get it. But this is powerful. You can change your situation. Some of you just feel trapped in your personality. This is the way my family's always been. I'm just a type A personality. I'm just, this is the way I am. No, it's, it's demonic. Amen. And you can change it. You can become a loving person by speaking things. You can speak over yourself. I'm not mean anymore. I'm not impatient anymore. I'm not short-tempered anymore. I am not this way. And you can begin to start speaking over yourself and saying what God says about you. You know, when the Lord first touched my life, I was an introvert. I couldn't even look at people. I could not have done what I'm doing right here. This is physically impossible based on my natural personality. I couldn't even look at a person in the face and say hi. 
I remember in high school, somebody saying hi to me as they walked down the street and they were two blocks down the street before I got high back out. I was 18 years old and I couldn't say hi to people. I was painfully shy. And when the Lord changed my life, a lot of things happened. But one of the things was I used to go stand in front of a mirror and I'd point my finger at myself and I'd speak over me what God said about me. That you are the righteousness of God. You will do what God told you to do. He has put his word in your mouth and the word will be fire and the people would and it shall devour them. You will go to all of the people that God sent. And I spoke to myself and I talked myself into being able to talk in front of you. Some of you think you can't do that. Well, then it won't work for you. But I'm telling you, that's what I did. I took the word of God and I have spoken over myself and I still speak over myself. I still do this. You know, every once in a while, I just sit down and go to thinking about God. Who am I? If I was God, I wouldn't have chosen me. And I'll look at myself and I'll go to feeling inadequate like, God, how can I accomplish what you've called me to do? And you know what? I've still, to this day, I will take the word of God and I'll begin to start speaking over me what God has spoken to me through the word, through personal prophecies. And I'll go to speaking these things out my mouth. And I encourage myself in the Lord that way. I speak the word of God over me. There are many of you that rehearse what the negative things that people say over you. They said that you're going to be a failure. You'll never amount to anything. And you rehearse those words in your mind constantly. You listen to what the doctor says constantly. You're going to die. You're going to be this way the rest of your life. You listen to what the banker said. You listen to what an ex-mate said about you. And you listen to all of these negative things. And we somehow or another just feel like that, uh, you know, that's natural. I can't help it. This is just the way I think. You can choose how you want to think. You can choose the thoughts you want to think on. I prayed with a woman today who said she had multiple personalities and she was hearing all of these voices and yet she's a Bible college student. And I said, you know what the word says? And she says, yeah, I know what the word says, but it seems like there's this other voice over here. And I said, well, then just listen to the one that you know is the word of God and refuse these others and quit listening to it. And she, you know, basically I'm just saying, who cares what other thoughts you have? I have thoughts all of the time, contrary to what I know is true. But I speak what God's word says. The scripture says this in Matthew chapter six, where it's talking about seek first the kingdom of God. It's talking about don't take thought for your life, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're clothed with. All of these things, the nation of the world, um, worry about. But remember the lilies of the field. Remember the birds of the air. And it's trying to encourage you to put your trust in God. And in the midst of that, it says, take no thought saying, wherewithal shall we be clothed? What shall we eat? Now I'm taking a little bit of liberty with this verse, but here's the way I've interpreted that. This, you know, thoughts come. You can't keep a thought from coming. If the doctor tells you you're going to die, it's just natural to start thinking about death and what's going to happen if I die and all of this kind of stuff. You can't necessarily keep thoughts from coming, but Kenneth Hagin used to say it this way, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from making a nest in your hair. You can't necessarily keep a thought from coming, but you don't have to take every thought 
How do you keep from taking a thought? It says, take no thought saying. Don't ever speak a thought that is contrary to what you know to be true. When my son died, Jamie and I immediately said, in the name of Jesus, we command you to come back to life. And we spoke faith. But then we had to get up, get dressed, took an hour's drive to get into Colorado Springs. And during that period of time, we started having thoughts come at us just like they come at anybody. And you know what? Praise God that we knew the truths that I'm sharing with you right here. And we were not going to give power to any of those thoughts by saying them. We never talked about him staying dead. We never talked about that because I was not going to empower any negative thought by speaking it out my mouth. The way you take a thought is when you say it. Don't say your doubt and unbelief. Don't speak it. Psychology has had a big impact on the church today and psychology has basically told us don't suppress anything. You're in denial. You just need to vent. You need to let it out. And that attitude has encouraged many people to just say every rotten thing that you think. Let it all out. Don't hold anything in. And by doing so, you are empowering the devil. You do not need to speak negative things out of your mouth. Even if there's negative things around you, you don't have to empower them. You don't have to take that thought by saying it. Once you start speaking negative, you empower that. Proverbs 18, uh, 21. I'll go back to this scripture later, but this verse says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Notice the terminology. There is fruit that comes from every word. If you could imagine that every word that comes out of your mouth, if you could just get a picture of this, it's you're spitting seeds out your mouth. Every word you say and every word you hear is a seed. And it's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to start growing something. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit of it. You are going to eat every word that you say. And you know, brothers and sisters, this is exactly what's wrong with many of you right now. You are eating your words. That sickness, that disease, the poverty, the hurt, the pain, the emotional instability is all because of words that have been spoken over you or that you have spoken. And you are eating. You are partaking of the words that you've said. You don't need to say wrong things. You need to quit speaking doubt and unbelief and you need to go to speaking the word of God. And it'll take a period of time to retrain your heart to where you really believe that what you say is going to come to pass. It may take a long period of time, but it's well worth it. You didn't get into the mess you're in overnight. You may not get out of it overnight. And in the interim, you may have to run to somebody else for help and let them pray for you because it's going to take a while before you get to where you're strong in this. But praise God, we shouldn't just depend upon other people and substitute them. You need to get to where you take the word of God and begin to start recognizing not only was this universe created by the power of God's word, but this Bible, every word in here is God breathed. It's a contract. 
It has the supernatural power of God in it. And if you would mix it with faith and go to speaking it over you, you would be healed. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Mix that with faith. And right now, healing can take place in your body. When I speak God's word, this is why God's word changes people's lives. You know, when I first got started in ministry, I was very insecure and I was just, oh God, help the song service to be good. Oh God, I pray that nobody gets up and says anything wrong because, you know, the, the mood could change. The anointing could leave. You hear people talk about all this all the time, about the anointing's gone. <laughs> That's not true. God's not as touchy and picky as people present him. They use that as an excuse. God doesn't come and go like that. And you know, I've now come to a place that I praise God for Charlie and Jill. They're awesome. I love their praise and worship, but it really wouldn't matter to me if the devil himself got up and led the praise and worship service. I don't care if it was bad. I've got God's word in my mouth and I'll go to speaking God's word and I'll change the atmosphere of the place. I can create whatever atmosphere I want. I can release the power of God with my mouth and I don't care what happens. I'm going to get up and speak God's word. And God gave me a promise in Jeremiah 5, 14, because you speak this word, I will make my word in your mouth fire and the people would, and it shall devour them. And God's word literally burns up the junk in people and, and it causes changes in people's lives. I believe that when I'm speaking the word of God, I'm speaking the same power that created you, that created the heavens and the earth. And if you would mix it with faith, you could be healed. You don't have to wait on me to give an invitation. Be healed right where you are in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing, mix it with faith right now. And this same power that created your body can create total health in you and restore you. If you only had half a heart, it'll give you a full heart. If you had a tumor on your chest, it'll take the tumor away. If you were sent home to die, it'll heal you. If you have children with autism, they'll be healed by the word of God if you'll mix it with faith. If you had rheumatoid arthritis, it'll leave you if you speak to it and don't doubt in your heart. You can bridle your body with your tongue. You can have whatever you say. Man, that's powerful. That is powerful. And I've got a lot more to share. I'm just going to have to quit. And I'll continue this tonight. But you need to understand the power of words, specifically the power of God's word in your mouth. If you will mix it with faith, there is an explosion that will take place. And you can have whatsoever you say. But you can't have it if you sit here and just say stupid things, lie. You didn't mean it. You aren't going to hold yourself to it. And then there's certain words that you believe. No, you're going to have to get to where you're consistent. To where you don't goof off. You don't say things that you don't mean. You don't tell people you'll do something and not do it. You don't listen to other people lie. You need to get to where you believe the words that you speak. That is powerful. Let me give you one last example. I read this book in the last couple of weeks. We went to uh, Gettysburg, which a lot of you don't know about this, but in the Civil War in the United States, war between the states, Gettysburg was kind of a turning point. 
And I got to reading some things. So I read this book about uh, Robert E. Lee, who was the Confederate general. And I read this book about him. And even though it was good and I got some good stuff out of it, I really missed a lot because they just told about what happened. And they told about this general didn't move over here when he was supposed to and because of it, that's the reason that they lost the battle and that this happened and that happened. And they gave facts. But I'm used to reading the Bible. And in the Bible... It'd tell you what was going on behind the scenes. It would tell you that it was God that made these people confused and they turned on each other and these three armies fought each other. And it tells you what's going on in the spiritual realm. When I read this book, it was only giving historical facts. And you know, I got tired of it. I thought, man, this is just like reading something and you aren't even getting the full story. They aren't telling you what's going on in the unseen realm. And anyway, I, ever since I've seen that, this is kind of the way I feel about when you listen to the news. They just tell you a fact. This happened, but they, you don't, they don't tell you whether this was devil inspired or God inspired. And you know, I've started looking at things with a different attitude. And most of us, I think, just get to where we take the stuff that we're told and we just swallow it, believing that it's fact. And yet you don't know what caused these things. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Most of us are super gullible. And we just listen to stuff and read things in magazines and newspapers and take this stuff as being true. And yet you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We are being fed a steady diet of lies and propaganda. And some of you may disagree with that and you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I'm telling you that that's the truth. We are being fed a lot of lies and propaganda. And you need to start being more discerning and you need to get to where you evaluate words. And when you hear people speaking things, you need to sit there and judge and say right or wrong. You can ask Jamie, when we drive in, we spend a lot of time in the car. I have to drive an hour one way to get to the office. And we spend a lot of time in the car. And you know, I'll listen and they'll say it's flu season. Man, I'll never have them say it's flu season without me countering those words. And I'll say, not for me in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. There is no season that flu works in my body. They'll say, men, are you getting up during the night? Are you having to go to the bathroom more times than normal? I'll say, not me in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm healed. And they'll go to asking, do you have this symptom? No, thank you, Jesus. I talk to it. I found out that if you counter unbelief, the moment it comes at you, it doesn't take root and you don't have to eat the fruit. But most of you let, you watch stuff and they will talk sickness. They'll tell you about this disease and they'll speak and you just listen and don't say a thing. And you know what? Every word that you hear has death and life in it. And it's going to produce fruit if you don't dig up that seed. You need to dig it up immediately. It's a lot easier just to turn the thing off than it is to sit there and listen to all of the doubt and the unbelief. But you need to get strong on words. You need to get to where words mean something to you. And you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you God will change your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Praise you, Jesus.